But you gotta keep your head up Oh, and you can let your head down Hey, you gotta keep your head up Oh, and you can let your head down Hey, I know it's hard No, it's hard to remember sometimes But you gotta keep your head up Oh, and you can let your head down as we kick off another episode of the Mentor Roundtable, I'm going to give a big shout out to our sponsors, Gaggle. They've been a huge supporter of our program, our mission, our vision to continue to support educators each and every day. Check out Gaggle at www.gaggle.net. They are a real-time safety tool that ensures the safety and well-being of your students on their school-issued email and drive accounts. Again, thank you, Gaggle, for all your support. And another mentor table is kicking off right now. All right, so so we're gonna get we're gonna kick off. I see Yuritsa uh, has her Buncee up there, and I I typically have Gaggle uh, background. I do want to thank Gaggle uh, for being the sponsor of, of the show, for um, giving out the Echo last week, getting us our awesome shirts that a few of us got in the mail. Some of them are speedier delivery than others, so we're psyched about that. So we're we're cruising. Well, should and I change the gaggle? Excuse I, me? No, 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 no. You're good. Bunty okay. does a lot for us too. I, I can do that. Okay. Gaggle's good peeps. Um, and if you, some of you that are on my um, mailing list, uh, Gaggle's doing a great um, webinar tomorrow. Uh, I think Christine's on the episode tonight. She'll be talking about anxiety in schools. It's a great program. So check them out. Um, so I want to thank them and I'm going to thank Carl for coming on tonight. We are going to give away one of the seats to the remote learning coach. We're going to talk to you about it. Um, but Carl, I'd love for you to kind of, I know I know you, we've been friends for a while, but introduce yourself, talk about a little bit about what you do. We just heard about your first year of 45 uh, classes, 45 kids in the class. So tell us a little about yourself from uh, down in Austin, Texas. Sure. So I, I, I'm, I'm from all over the country. I ended up here at the University of Texas at Austin when I was 18. Um, was an engineering major, honestly, and then kind of realized that it was way too black and white. So I switched to the most opposite degree I could think of, and that was <laughs> drama, believe it or not. And it uh, turns out I have a face for radio. So uh, that didn't work very well. But uh, I did, out of that drama, believe it or not, I still use a lot of the techniques in teaching today, whether it be teaching kids or teaching adults. And uh, so then I switched, I became an elementary education teacher, um, went back, got my master's in uh, educational technology. This is like turn of the century, guys. We're talking like you know, remote schooling back then was that the professor would send you a little CD and then you'd have to get to watch his little video while he goes through his PowerPoint slides and then you would send back a CD. It was really cool. No, it wasn't. Um, but uh, that was pretty much how I got started. Um, I was a teacher. I taught fifth grade. I taught uh, first grade actually for a number of years. Um, and I'm not exactly small. I'm about six foot three. So I just tried not to step on the kids most of the time. Um, but uh, eventually got became a, a computer lab teacher and I thought, well, this technology thing's not going away. So I really got more and more into that, tried to figure out ways to help kids from ages four to about 12. Um, and then I started working with elementary or middle school and high school kids as well. I, I shifted over to another school district and then moved my way up and kind of just, um, I, I did a tech job for a couple of years. It was called a virtualization coordinator, which was one of those jobs that didn't exist when we were born. Um, and uh, I, it was interesting. I got to build servers. I got to learn all the technical side of stuff. And, it, and I just realized again, much like with engineering, like this is not where my brain is. Um, I needed a lot more creativity. So I went back to the instructional side, became a director of instructional technology and eventually a director of innovation. 
um, for Eanes ISD here, Westlake High School here in Austin, Texas, and uh, retired, uh, quote unquote, uh, when I was 43. <laughs> yes. Um, so June of last year, I decided to hang them up and just go to the full-time educational consultant speaking. Yeah, public speaking. That was a great choice for a career right before COVID hit. <laughs> and then things changed and we all have to shift, but that's quite all right. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of catches you up to where I am. I also, uh, one other small funny thing that I did that was actually not that smart is I invested in a bar here in Austin. So I'm actually a part, partial investor of a bar. Remember those? Remember when those used to be open? Yeah. Um, so two for two pre-COVID, but no, actually we're doing pretty good. Just like that, we pivoted. We changed it into a restaurant, mostly outdoor seating. So well, whole nother, whole nother world of my life, but you'll know right away. Like I don't, I, when I see something hit me in the face, I just say, okay, what can I do to, to change that as what's the opportunity for me? Uh, how can I pivot? I don't usually dwell on it too long. Well, it was funny back in February, back in the February days, Carl and I were actually two years chatting. ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we were chatting, and because I had a little PD money left, and I said, you know, I'd love you to do some PD for for my staff. I can't fly you up here, or whatever. Could you do like remote, like PD? And he's like, Yeah, it's not my thing. Like I don't do remote a lot. I bet we could we could kind of do like a staff meeting or something, but uh, this remote stuff's not not for me. I'm an in person guy. And, I definitely and, and, am. I. You guys are, I mean, teachers, you guys know this too. I mean, you've been experiencing this this whole year. It's hard to get a read, right? It's just hard to get a read off your crowd. Um, I've learned, I mean, since I've had that conversation with Matt, yeah, in February, I mean, I learned quickly. I, I had to figure out how to make it work for me first. And once I did, and I thought, okay, I want to be somebody who's on, in, sitting where you're at. And, and are you entertained? And are, are you learning something from it? And I thought, how can I make that happen? So I started employing all sorts of tools in my toolkit that I use normally, but in a different way. And it just started turning into this other thing. I now do virtual trivia nights. I think I do like four or five a month now for companies, um, some for big companies, some for state conferences. And that was just kind of a, a joke really that turned into a, now it's people hire me to do virtual trivia nights. Yeah, no, that's really awesome. We, uh, I participated in one last, last Wednesday. Oh yeah. Uh, it was awesome. Um, I couldn't make it today and something came up. Um, so, but it, but it was awesome. It, it was good times. So talking about remote teaching and remote education, I know Melissa this year, that was a big shift for you, right? Your journey went from classroom teacher to fully remote and you've been doing some awesome stuff. How was, how was that shift? <laughs> there you have it people that's a bad word shift. it's still, shifting. It's still <laughs> pivoting i think there we go where they go pivot 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 yeah. it's, it's like that every day but um i'm grateful for my kids because they they make everything better and i just laugh that's my whole motto <laughs> laughing at everything and not getting so worked up because technology will crash. I think at one point when I Zoomed with the kids, it crashed three, three times. So I had to get back on and get back on and get back on. And then the server in our district crashed. It's just, it's one of those things. So yeah, I mean, it's going, so. And, and I think from when we started um, having these on Sunday nights, uh, Sari was doing her regular job and through this time you are now like a virtual administrator like things are just happening fast what is that all about it's amazing um i'm actually the remote learning principal in addition to the other hats that i wear and, and melissa you're nailing it like that giggle oh my gosh like i think all of us can connect to that um i do think that one of the things that my district did that is uh, a gift we had a, an auxiliary building 
and we were able to put all of the remote learning educators. So there's about 35 staff members in the building. And the fact that they can really turn to one, one another physically in person and really lean on each other has been a huge gift. I don't even know we're, we're, we're hybrid, but I, I don't spend a lot of times in uh, the classroom. So like Molly and Emily, we were sharing before we, we uh, jumped on first year. Tell us a little bit like what's something that you've discovered this year in your first year, like, oh boy, here we go. What's, but also some successes. Um, so I'm half and half. So I teach remote online half the day and then I teach in person half the day. And I think that creating, um, we were talking about classroom management before. And as a first year teacher, that's definitely one of the hardest things to do is figuring out what works for you, like what kinds of supports you have in the building to kind of help you with that management. It depends on the kids you have. And I think that at least for me, it was kind of difficult where half the day I have a Zoom classroom management and it's like one whole thing. And then I have an in-person classroom management. And so I feel like deciding between those two things and working through two completely different styles was a little tricky, but we're slowly getting a hang of it. So that's good. And, uh, and Molly, you're in a different situation, right? Yeah. So I have been teaching completely remote from my classroom for the past seven weeks. Um, and so I've basically been like what Melissa's been doing, a full remote teacher, and it went a lot better. I went in with no expectations because I really didn't know anything else. And it's gone really well. And like, we've been able to build a classroom community remotely, which was something I was really worried about, but the kids have been getting chances to talk to each other and we've figured out our learning curve, but we start hybrid tomorrow. So we will be pressing the reset button and starting a whole new thing tomorrow. And our team of teachers has opted for half live streaming. So I'm actually going to be teaching the kids in class and live streaming to the kids at home for many parts of the day and then creating different like independent work assignments for the kids in class and the kids at home. So it's been really good. I'm prepared for it to not be as good as a position. <laughs> and then who knows what's going to happen as cases keep going up. So being flexible is something that I've just learned is really important in this time. And luckily, I have a lot of really supportive coworkers. So it's been not a terrible experience. And I'm, I'm ready, I guess. <laughs> well, and, and Carrie, we, uh, Carl, Carl and I have a friend. Um, in Illinois and said some of the things are shutting down in Eureka. I know in New York, we're, they're starting to start to shut down. How's that going to impact what the two of you do? Um, it doesn't if we start going from hybrid to full remote. It wouldn't impact what I do at all because um, even though we're hybrid, I still treat everything as if it's remote. So even though I have students coming in physically, like, you know, I share with you guys almost every week that, you know, my students are all raging under credit, which means they're not really coming into school physically, even if they're hybrid students. So I'm already prepared to actually go full remote. I put everything online, regardless of if you're going to be in class or not. Yes, in Illinois, some of the changes that have been happening statewide haven't really impacted the districts yet because schools are actually staying healthier than most of the general public is. So um, so we're moving forward with some more, we're hybrid, my class is hybrid right now. So I see they're remote every Monday, all day, and then they're in 
from like 7:45 to 11:45 Monday through Friday with me. So as of right now, that's what we're doing. And then there's plans for um, additional hours to be happening in the future. So that will be a fun change for my students because their schedule will also change if we go full in person. So I'm excited for that. <laughs> I'm sure, and I'm going to throw it over to Carl in a second. But before we do that, I want to just show this awesome Ask Your Ritza sticker. And I got, got to give you a little bit of plug. Tell us what you're, what you're doing with some remote work and some awesome stuff with Flipgrid. I'd love to, to share with you know people out there. And then we're going to talk a little remote learning coach. But um, you're doing some impressive things. Thank you. So for those of you who don't know yet, um, I'm the host of the new Flipgrid series, Aksharitza. I believe tomorrow's our sixth episode. We focus on culturally responsive teaching. So what I do is I dig deep into finding educators who are already doing the work, um, whether they know that they're doing it or not. So I like, I'm all in your business. I'm all over your Instagram and your Twitter, and I'm reaching out to folks um, based off of what I, whatever I see them do. So what's interesting is, you know, there's so many educators who know about culture responsive teaching, who really care about students, who know that that, is, that should be the focus for everything. And so what I'm just doing is amplifying their voice as much as possible through Flipgrid and Microsoft. And um, tomorrow, since the election is on Tuesday, I have the kids and the host from Let's K-12 Better podcast actually joining me on the show. If you haven't seen my post today, I've been amplifying their voice because another thing to understand is, you know, we have this president for four years. So what's gonna happen the next four years? And I tell people all the time, you know, Republican supporters will always be there just as much as Democratic uh, supporters. And so it's very essential for us to focus on students. That's the next generation. So yeah. That's, no, that's awesome. And to see all of this, this remote stuff happening and, and the remote work and students getting their voice out that that's great. And at the heart of what we've been doing is really supporting new educators like Emily and, and Molly. So Carl, I'm going to throw it to you for, for two questions and then we'll all jump in. Um, one, if you were to, you know, talk to all the new educators who are watching this, what are two things or one thing that you would say is critical for a remote learning coach? Um, to, to start off, if, either if they're in the hybrid or in the full remote? I'm going to answer that question. But first, I need to say something to Yuritsa because I, and my other hat, the other thing I wear, Adam, Dr. Adam Final and I do a podcast called the Undisrupted Podcast. And it is all right now we are focusing our work on equity and also the idea of like all this, this kind of um, you know, the upheaval that's happened because of the George Floyd movement and all of that. And then what do we do as teachers and how do we teach that appropriately in school? So I love that you're doing that work. I just want to give you a shout out for that. I think that's important. And we're going to, we are continuing to focus on it on our podcast through Future Ready. So that's a, that's a big passion point of both of ours. We're actually doing, trying to work on creating a course around that as well. So I might need to pick your brain later about that, but all right. So <laughs> that said, um, back to the questions that, so you said, yeah, something for a teacher starting out remote or hybrid. Um, I think the way I break it down in the courses is I kind of I kind of hit a few few things. One is communication. I feel like is, is the first module because I think it's the most important. One of the things I'll just tell you guys I I have a second, a third, and a sixth grader all here, all going remote. Um, while most of their friends are actually now starting to go physically back in school. We've made the choice here in Austin, Texas to not send our kids back if we can for the rest of the year. However, I've heard the state of Texas may end up saying you have to go back, in which case we're gonna have to homeschool. So it's a weird political thing down here. Anyway, we have decided to stay remote um, because our kids, and actually I will say this too, some kids are actually excelling in this remote learning environment. Not all kids, but some kids are. Um, and so what I would say for the teacher just getting started, again, communication is most important because I say that because just tonight we got an email last minute from a principal of a middle school 
where my daughter's going that said, oh, by the way, we're shifting to this tomorrow, surprise. So those kind of things need to be out there as soon as possible. So if you do know of a change that's coming, whether it be a schedule, um, I think it was Emily, it was Emily or Molly, one of you said you're switching to hybrid, I think next right on Monday. Yeah. So that kind of stuff, of course, needs to get out ahead with parents. And then of course, communicating out multiple times. Um, I think that's the most important thing. So I focus a lot of the energy in the course, just on that first idea of communication. Um, some of the other things I would go with are, again, just best practices for video. And I think a lot of you now, that we, I mean, six months ago, we'd be like, well, what's zoom, we got to figure this out. I think everyone's now got kind of that down, but Hope have so. a backup plan. Yeah. But have a backup plan because like, I think it was Melissa who was saying like stuff just breaks. And so we had in our, our situation, the teachers would send out like say, okay, go to Canvas and log in there to find the Zoom link. Well, what if Canvas doesn't work? <laughs> so quickly we had the, we told the teachers like, you guys need to give us a list of like, just give us a direct Zoom. So we can at least still have something going on. And that's happened at least twice now that the Canvas has crashed across the country. By the way, Zoom also crashes. So having those backup plans, I think is important. And I know that's a lot to think about as a teacher going into it. But if you're like, okay, let's just make believe that tomorrow, nothing works. The internet does not work. Nothing's working. What are your students going to do? Do they have something in place? If it's the first day of school, that's obviously kind of hard because they don't know you. But if you've gotten to now where we're in about the ninth week here in Texas, there, hopefully there's some sort of backup plan. Like we want you to continue to work on project X or whatever it is that we've already kind of started working on with you. So having those kind of like long running projects I've seen has been a real success for teachers because then you're not so frantic when you wake up in the morning and inevitably it's going to happen to all of you on this call, unfortunately, and myself, by the way, giving a keynote crashed right in the middle of it. I mean, Oof. that just happens. That's the, that's the internet. Um, so again, having backup plans is important. Some of the other ones I'll get into are a little bit more um, down the road type things, but I spent a whole module on just student engagement, lots of tips, techniques, tricks, things like that to keep students engaged on an online call. Assessment was one that a lot of teachers asked me about like, oh, how do you give assessments? Because they all wanted to be like, magically be able to see all their screens so they're not yeah. cheating. And I'm like, well, there's more to assessment than just that multiple choice test. So, um, so in the assessment module, I really break down also like what's the difference between synchronous and asynchronous assessment? What's the difference between individual and group assessment? Um, and then how do you actually assess those students? And what does that actually look like? Um, because honestly, the more um, teach, I call it assessment as learning instead of assessment of learning, the more you're giving them that's where they have to actually explain their process and reflect on their thinking, that's hard to cheat. I mean, you could, in theory, I guess, go and copy paste some somebody who said something about yeah, something. Yeah, but you would know. You would know right away, right? right? And and I know, and I think, and Eureka mentioned Flipgrid earlier, which I think is a great tool for that because now all of a sudden you're like, hey guys, get on Flipgrid and I want you to explain what you thought of that project. It's hard to fake that. I mean, you don't have to be on camera because some kids don't want to be, but you can put up the whiteboard tool or whatever on Flipgrid or put up a little image or emoji and just have them talk through it. You know, as a teacher right away, you're picking up on it. That's the stuff we miss from in-person is that walking around the room and just being, you know, as a teacher, if you've done it for a while, I've been teacher for 22 years. I know like you, when you walk by a kid, you're, like, you're not getting this because you're walking by them and you can hear, hear what they're thinking. But on a Zoom call, it's harder. So you need to create opportunities for them to explain their thinking. Um, two of the tools I mentioned a lot, Flipgrid is one and Bulb is the other one because it's a great, it's just a great all-encompassing e-portfolio system. I found that LMSs, I don't, and I don't have anything against them. I mean, whether it's Canvas or Google Classroom, or whatever, I feel like those are so centered around the assignment 
versus the student, if that makes sense. So like the flow is like, okay, now everyone go to this assignment and reply to this assignment and tell me everything you know about that assignment versus something like a portfolio where it's like, okay, you as a student are now gonna show progress in all your different subject areas. So it's focused on the student less on the assignment, if that makes sense. So Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, and I'll just throw it out to the group. What are some things that, that yeah. has worked for you, especially with things crashing or things not working? What are some things or strategies you could share that have worked in, in your, you know, we have elementary school here, we have middle school, we have, online second grade with Melissa. At some point, I'm going to read with your class. We're going to get a date. We've changed it three times, but we're going to make it work. But what are some things that have worked for you all? So I'm, I'm like enjoying the use of Wakelet and Pear Deck. Um, you know, you guys are just discussing the idea of like internet crashing or you being like kicked out of Zoom. And for me, it's if I put everything for the week on a Wakelet, my students are able to still flow by themselves. You know, usually I put like, you know, this is the do now. And by do now is usually the introduction to the lesson. So it's like a cool video that I found on YouTube or it's a video of me acting like a person or dancing. And then it's, you know, go to the next step. And it's literally step-by-step -step instruction. Um, and the idea is that it's, it's, it's differentiated for everybody, but not all students need it. So you have it where some students may skip some steps, but I'm also putting all of the resources there so that I could say, okay, well, refer back to the Wakelet or you didn't come to live, live instruction today. So go back to the Wakelet. Um, but Pear Deck, I, I'm like in love with Pear Deck. Um, I think that it's tied to like every student is easy to meet the needs of every student. And it's fun for teachers, especially like, you know, teachers who really love giving students resources. And if you really love YouTube, I would say Pear Deck is like the bomb because students just click right on the link from there. And then you can still have them like write whatever their thoughts are. Or if a student was absent, what would you tell them about this lesson? So I love it for SEL and reflections as well. Did I just promote them? That's all right. <laughs> Shameless plug. Well, I'll go off of what Yorita was saying too, is I found too with technology sometimes being inconsistent, the best thing that we can do is be consistent. And so I find that um, making sure that there are lessons or um, activities that my students can do that are consistent all the time. So that if something doesn't go right, where I can't be there with them, that they have something that they know they can be successful at. I find that sometimes on Zoom, one of my um, biggest struggles as being a special education teacher is I can't equalize the playing field when I'm not there with them. Like I can't repair and correct things because I'm not there with them. So by giving them assignments or giving them activities that they know and are familiar, even if it feels like in our minds, it might be really repetitive, having that consistency and having that knowledge takes away that um, doesn't require so much grit from our students. And also the failure factor is a lot less because they won't be familiar with what to do and they've been through it so many times that they'll feel great success if they have to do it by themselves or even if they're on Zoom and they're not in person with me. So for me, when it comes to the remote learning aspect of my day, consistency and routine and predictability has been my strongest tools that I've used when, when I'm Zooming with my students because that way I can take um, the failure factor or their their ability to endure and I can take that away and make sure that that level of success is a lot higher for them. No, yeah. that makes a lot of sense and it must be challenging in that in that small groups that, that you work in. I'm really lucky that I have several aides that work with me that are also really amazing. 
But I really do, when we're in the remote environment, really sticking with things that the students know how to do and doing this, like every Monday we do something completely separate than what we would do in person, but it's always the same every Monday. But I also do what Yaritza does too, and I give a lot of choices too. So yes, there's familiarity in what they're doing. And when they open up a doc, they'll see a very step-by-step -step approach. So they also know that I'm going to leave them a very strategic and step-by-step -step with visuals in the doc for them. So they get some choice in the thing and the things that they're doing, but it's always the same choices. And so I have students that always pick the same thing over and over again, but I'm okay with that because being at home away from me doing something that feels challenging, but knowing that they're safe and the fact that there's routine in that, in that activity is also, it can let them feel a lot of success. And so yeah. that's the way I handle a lot of my remote learning. No, that's important. And, and Sarah, you were jumping in. I cut you off, but I just wanted to. No, no, no. I apologize. I, I think that everything that I'm hearing from Yuritsa and Harry all go back to Carl, what you were talking about is that communication piece, right? There's the communication before, during, and after, right? So you guys are setting the stage with the consistency and letting them know what to expect. Um, and then even during a situation. So one of the things that we've made it a point to do, we use Google Classroom. So we have multiple co-teachers, we have um, you know, multiple uh, email lists so we can blast things out from the office in the event that there's something technological that went down. And then after the fact, we reflect, right? Did this work? Did this not work? Connect with the families, you know, whatever happened, did this work? Did this make sense? Like Carrie, to your point, like having something available for them to access in the event that we really can't get into that live instructional piece and then constantly learning and growing. And I'm having those open conversations with the families and every time they reach out with whatever it might be, I'm thanking them because if they don't communicate that, if they don't reach out, if we don't set the stage for that open dialogue, we're never going to get better. No, I, I could see that. And, and Melissa, I'm going to call you back on because every time I log into Twitter or I see something you're doing, it's just, it's like, wow, where did you come up with that? What did you think of that? So for a teacher who sees some of these teachers like yourself who are doing these weather projects, who are doing the, the Halloween amazing projects and start to get a little intimidated, like, ooh, I don't want to try this. What, what would you say to a new teacher just to get started in, in doing some of those projects like Teresa was talking about that you were that you've done? Um, I would just say dive in because you never know. Is Christine in the audience in the panelist? She, it goes back to her quote. What's her quote? Oh, what if it's right? Isn't that what her quote is? Yes, yes, she's here. Throw it in the chat, Christine. I don't want to misquote you. No. I mean, I think, I think we get, and I was going to piggyback on everything that they said. And the only thing I was going to add is mindset that if you have that mindset to where my parents know, I laugh all the way through, <laughs> do not get uptight, do not get emotional. I am fine. If the thing crashes three times, go for a walk with the family, come back and see we're in canvas. So we can only do so much. And it's, I mean, depending on the district and how it's set up, you can have a wakelet, you can have this, but it's pretty much on canvas and we have to have things on canvas. So when that crashes, it's a holiday. Go for a walk, <laughs> break, come back. I just don't want people, especially my parents to get so worked up over a pandemic. This is not a snow day, this is a pandemic. So we need to treat it like that. Right, no. Um, give a lot of grace so 
Yeah. So Christine threw in the in the chat in the title. You know, her book is titled "Anxious," but the subtitle is "Take the Risk: What If It Turns Out Right." Yeah. 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 Uh, so just like we did on the first show, Emily and Molly, I'm going to throw it to you without knowing yet how to how to answer this. But since you're doing this for the first time, and we're talking about all these things that have been working, tell us something that's just bombed. Like, don't do this. Like, what are? And then Carl, I'm going to throw it back to you. Just give some more recommendations of things. But what are some things you've done this year that were like, okay, first year teacher, I've been excited for this for six months, and I get in there, and this just didn't work as I thought. Um, can I think for a second? You can think for a second because it just, it's. One's like smaller thing that I can think of that I'm still in the process of trying to figure out how to fix is we're doing a lot of reading teaching. And if we have like a small passage that I want the kids to read and then respond something about like where they're going back to the passage and looking at it and answering a question like, they cannot toggle between the screens or if I put it on the screens, like every kid I'll put on PowerPoint or something and give them questions to answer. They'll delete half the questions, delete the passage. Like everything just like goes wonky and like they can't toggle. And I like, I feel like I have not gotten the chance to give them a passage and have them answer questions like yet, just because of the format that we have. And that's just one small thing that's totally not working because they don't have the books in front of them. So it's all on one screen for the technology thing. And I feel like every every time the kids always like my passage is gone or my question number three is gone like and it's just everything's disappearing and they don't and it's know. Oh, and it's right when you're in the flow of something, I'm sure. Yes, yes. And so I'm I'm trying to figure out how to get those things. Or the kids are like, it's too small, I can't read it because I'll like take a screenshot of a page, and it, I'm trying to figure out how to like have them access small little things. And I feel like I'm the only teacher in third grade who's doing reading remotely, so no one else is really experiencing this. And so they're trying to help me too. And like, I feel like as a remote ELA teacher, like giving them books and stuff, I'm totally just bombing on right now because I don't know how, and I, I don't really know what to give them. So I feel like I'm trying to work on it. So if anyone has good reading tips on how to give passages to those kids and have them respond, that'd be great, but it's not working for me. So Molly, you had a minute to think, tell us something that hasn't worked. So something that went, truly terrible for weeks and no one told me because <laughs> I'm a very scary intimidating third grade teacher so we were doing um mindfulness every day after lunch and we we're using a program that the school gave to us and basically I would share my screen and like one of the people from the program would come on and be like listen for the sound of the rain and like go through this whole thing for them. And so many teachers I know are like, my kids love it. Like they're going to be great. Put it on every day after lunch. And one day, like I was like, all right, we're going to do inner explorer now. And then like, we'll move on to math. And I saw like three of their faces and they're like, <sighs> I was like, do you guys not like this? And they were all like, no, we hate this. Like, we hate doing an explorer every day. And I'm like, okay, like, we don't have to do this. Like, this is not an assignment. It's not a curriculum requirement. Like, we don't have to do it at all. And I did want to still include mindfulness. So now we do more of like a yoga type thing or like a stretching thing or all say things versus them listening to like some random stranger talk in a very <laughs> monotone voice. So I think the 
like moral of that is that they're third graders. And even though I know I'm not scary, like they might not feel ready to tell me when they're feeling a certain way. So I learned that I needed to like check in more about things that they had choices about just to make sure. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so Carl and all of the work you've been doing and, you know, again, we typically focus on what things are working, what are great. You see on, you know, even here, we're sharing some strategies that are working for moving to remote, but what are some things you would have new teachers kind of avoid to, to start and that maybe not be worth the time that they're going to invest to get it off the ground? Well, what I'd first like everyone to do is close your <laughs> eyes and think. We don't like that. It's, that's in the bed oh, established sorry. bucket from, from Molly's class. I will say mindfulness, again, I'm glad that you're sticking with it in some form or fashion. Uh, I, I talk about this a little bit in the course, but I've, I've seen it firsthand with my own child who was second grade last year, third grade this year. Just a minute or two of that, um, even though a lot of teachers are like, I got to get through all my curriculum, I got to get through my curriculum. I mean, just taking a minute or two to just kind of recenter them, put them in the now. It doesn't have to be the peaceful music playlist stuff. Um, but I love that idea of that activity. The other thing I'll mention is, um, I like I like the idea of a soft start. I like this before virtual too, by the way. I like the idea of a soft start in class where kids have a chance to socialize a little bit. They aren't getting any of that right now, right? If they're all remote, they don't have any chance to do that. So giving them some small breakout rooms, getting them some chances just to chat with each other, um, having a bell ringer, uh, like a, when they get on, because there's that weird kind of awkward, you know, there's always that one or two kids that are coming on late. So you're like, all right, we've got two or three minutes. You know, why waste that time? Have a little something up there. I like to, there's lots of tons of these out there. Um, I've got a bunch in the course, but there's a bunch of, I've got lists of more of them too, where you can just look for these online. And they're basically just little images that you can say, like, what do you think about this? Or make this into a meme or make this, you know, depending on the age of the kid. And it gets them instantly engaged into whatever the lesson is. Now, if you're really good, you start to figure out that there's like certain memes that can tie into what you're going to talk about later. Um, that's like kind of an expert teacher, you know, like, okay, now I'm going to, now I'm going to get you thinking about women's rights, but not in the way you think. Um, I had a guy I was interviewing the other day who did this, where he put it in a Google classroom. He said, I just don't think that women should be firefighters. I just, and there's a lot of other jobs. I don't think women should be. And he did this on a video. And he posted it in, in Google Classroom. And then he paused for just about 10 seconds. And then he went on to say, now, what I just said was absolutely ludicrous. And here's why. But here's what happened. A lot of the students only watched that first part of the video. And guess what? They just blew up his, his chat. They're like, oh, my God, I can't believe you said this about us. And he's like, did you watch the whole video? Because that's what kids do. They just get a little snippet. And then they kind of move along, right? They don't get all the information. Um, I saw another great meme the other day. It was like a Kids can figure out how to make these amazing videos in TikTok, but they don't know how to move like a slide in Google Slides, right? <laughs> it's like somehow, and it's just, it, and to be honest, that just tells you that those programs are a little bit too clunky. I mean, Canvas, that's what we use. It's just not great. Um, so I would say one other tip for a teacher is make sure you invest some time into giving them those strategies of how to like, how to log on, how to go to which thing. Like you were just saying, um, was it uh, Molly who was saying that? Yeah, about how like they were move, deleting the passages or paragraphs or things like that. Like you almost have to invest a little bit of time and training on that, even though they say, well, these kids are digital natives, which is a complete myth. Um, they're great at certain things, but when it comes to educational technology, it's, you know, some of those tools are just a little bit different. So um, I would say invest some time in those instructions. And I think if you do that upfront or even pause and say, you know what, we have, we have to get to this lesson, but I'm going to stop us all right now. And we're going to spend the next 10 minutes and I'm just going to show you how to move these things and how you should do it. And I want a couple of you to actually get on and show me as well, just so I can, you can prove it. Just taking that little bit of time will help you later on down the road. Cause it's not going to be a struggle the rest of the year. Yeah, and, and one of the things that, that I wanted to share and then throw it out to the group, some of the things to share with new educators of 
maybe some things to avoid is one of the things that, I, that I've seen and, and shared is to allow students to actually share their screen and run the presentation. So like if you build the lesson and you have the, we'll just say for the sake of discussion, uh, Google Slides, you've seen it, you know where to click, you know how to maneuver through the activity and you're going to share your screen and then you go, we're going to click here and then we go to here. You're going to outpace your classroom. So one of the things I've been sharing with my teachers is to share the presentation or the lesson with one of the students. Maybe it's a job, maybe it's, you know, this week, this person's going to run it and then let them share the screen and you as the teacher talk them through the lesson. Okay, now we're going to go to, you know, click on the, the photo of the sun and we're going to let this YouTube video load and watch it. So on their computer, because most of the time you have a different computer than the students. Like for us, our teachers have their desktop computers they teach from and all the students have Chromebooks. So it may be different loading speed. It may look different. So allowing students to actually run the lesson is going to allow you as the teacher to slow down is to see an actual student pace for the lesson you're talking them through. Because I think sometimes Here's a thing to, to avoid. I know that was the original question. Don't over plan. If you're going to do some of these activities and, and we, we've thrown up a few uh, with Wakelet, with, with Flipgrid, don't plan like seven in one day. Like we're gonna get through these five things. It's gonna be great because you're never gonna do anything well. So those are the two that I would say is don't over plan and, and, and really let kids investigate. What Carl was saying is let them try some of these things and get used to the technology and then let students drive the lesson. I think that's, a, that's another one. But what have you all found that, is almost like a myth out there that people think we should do these three things, but they're not really working out as, as they're planned. I would say, um, mostly I've seen this at the elementary level. Everyone was so excited um, in, in my district, at least when we got the breakout rooms and it was like, oh my gosh, like go into breakout rooms, they're awesome, right? Um, the conversations that I've been having with the staff, we've equated it to like guided reading groups. You need to take a step back, right? right. And, and Carl, you were just saying like, teach them the instructions, right? So what are these kids gonna be doing in the breakout room? You can't expect them to get to, you know, whatever the inferencing lesson is until they know what they're supposed to do in those breakout rooms per se. So to take that step back the same way you would in a classroom with guided reading, like how is this working? How are we moving? How are we rotating? So, um, you know, Carl, you really hit me with that one when you were saying it, cause I couldn't agree more. And Christine uh, also said standardized tests. We got we to move away from that. Yes, please. Yes, please. Um, I would like to add, um, stop creating boundaries in your classroom. So like Carl, you mentioned assessment as learning. I am a huge fan of that. I just did an entire lecture with Northeastern University last week on it. And, you know, we had this idea where we give students just five options and we say, use these five options. And I think we have to like stop doing that because guess what? Students actually know more than we allow them to actually share with us. And so even when we give um, choice boards, just be very cognizant of creating a space that says, choose your own. That way students can, you know, feel a bit more free in completing the task, but also take ownership in what they're learning. Because choice boards to me is still a way to actually create a boundary in your class. No, 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 absolutely. And, and choice boards is wonderful. Carrie, I know you do a lot with creative tools. I know you do your, in your actual um, learning job, but you also do a lot more with digital creativity. What are some of, what's the suggestion that you would say to, to really start to bring that in? 
to bring in digital creativity. Yeah. Um, I think I think it just goes off of what Yuritsa just said. I think we have to not limit our students. So once we give students permission to draw, or once we give students permission to create in different ways that are not the standard ways to create, then they'll start to be open to to saying that they want to create different things or having the opportunity or wanting to create different ways. So as an educator, we either have to show them by being different in how we create our lessons because that gives our students permission sees them when we're creating differently they get to see oh well they're not creating the same way as everybody does so as soon as like when we're sketched when i'm sketching with students as soon as they put paper to pencil i'm opening up a different mindset in my classroom one that welcomes in drawers welcomes in um error mistakes um welcomes in a fearlessness the same thing happens when we make lessons as teachers when we when we offer up different lessons we're giving our students a chance to see that we welcome in differences and we welcome in new ideas and then when we ask them to create for us, when we don't put limits on what they, when, when they ask us to create things, when we don't put limits on what we say yes to, then we're creating an environment within our classroom that welcomes all different forms of creativity and all different forms of all different thinkers. And then it also just welcomes a world that's different than ours. And then it creates a great new environment within our classroom. No, I, I think that's great and going off that. And I think that gives a kind of a balance of what some of the things we could do, some of the things to avoid. And I'm going to have, uh, I'm going to have our team think for a minute as our mentor minute, as we close up our kind of final thoughts. We're almost at minute 45 already. Things fly by. But uh, I'm going to have Carl share a little bit about the course. I'm going to say who our big winner was. And then when he wraps that up, I'd love for you to give one of your favorite strategies that you've used, because I think everybody in some capacity has had a remote experience and to to leave our our viewers and people who rewatch something uh, to really take and, and we've had a lot tonight, but just uh, grab on. But Carl, tell us a little about the remote learning coach and then I'm going to pass back over yeah. to the team, give them think time. And Molly said to me, we need time to think. So I'm going to give you time to think now. So I built this course really designed for either a teacher that's just getting started or a teacher that's in the in the thick of it at the moment and just like thinking I need something different I something's not working I need some new strategies ideas resources. So I built it out It's seven modules long uh, the modules again communications, the first one, and um, we really hit heavy on what you know what what communication should look like in your classroom. Um, <clears throat> some of the other models modules we get into are. Um, just again, best practices when it comes to community building, like how do we get our community built in terms of a classroom? We're so used to having this classroom environment, especially when you think about the younger grades, but even all the way up through seniors, there's that idea of communication and how do we get each other kind of involved in invested in the school when they're not there physically um, or they're in some sort of hybrid format. So I spent a whole module just on community building. That means community building games, getting to know your activities, a lot on goals and reflections built in there. And I do a lot on reflection throughout the course. Uh, module three is all about engagement strategies. Again, this is whiteboards, annotations, bell ringers, soft starts, gamification, interactive presentations. The top two that I list, of course, have been mentioned in the chat today already, which is Nearpod and Pear Deck, which I think are just great ways to pull kids in versus just letting them follow along with your slides. Um, then I go into a, a whole module on brain breaks, which if you've ever seen me speak in person or do a keynote, I, in the middle of a keynote in front of 3000 people, I'll stop everybody, make everyone stop and do a one minute silly brain break just to, because those are important too. And there's a lot of research behind it. So I spent some time talking about that. And then I show how to do those in a virtual environment. Um, then we spent a whole module on just group projects and asynchronous work, a whole nother module on assessing, which I talked about earlier. And then the final one is really about at-home parent support, which I think is kind of the forgotten element. They're now at-home learning coaches. So 
you know, enable them and empower them to help you with the teaching at home too. A lot of those that are at home or in pods or whatever, um, give them some resources to help you as well. And that'll make that kind of learning community even stronger. So um, in there, I talk about how to focus and motivate their kids at home, just strategies for, for them to use that we as teachers know kind of intrinsically, but a lot of parents don't. So giving them those tools and supports, I think is an important part of it. So that's kind of the course in a nutshell. I've given you kind of all the modules there. You can see this online. If you are, uh, use the coach, uh, use the code roundtable2020, you get it for 20% off. That's right, folks act now because after tomorrow, no, I'm just joking. Um, if it do, yeah, but round table 2020, if you want to use that as a code, um, it is 20% off and I'll leave that open. Um, I think I have a hundred coupons for that just for you guys. So feel free to share that. Um, I hope you guys get use, use out of it. Um, I enjoyed making it. It's a lot of videos of me. So if you like me, that's great. If you don't like me, I'm sorry. Um, but so there's a, a lot of videos lot of from the guy who said he had a face for radio. I like it. I, know. I like that. <laughs> I use a lot of graphics to cover up my face though. So it's okay. You hear my voice, but you didn't see the graphic floating. No, I, it's, I spent a lot of time on the videos because they're all short, five to seven minutes, just like we should be doing with our instructions with our kids. You don't want to make these super long, hour long you know, videos. So it's all short, choppy, kind of getting you the idea and the point. Um, but yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm excited about it. And thank you, for, thank you for having me on. And I'm excited to hear what you guys are all- Awesome. All well, Erica Sandstorm will be um, uh, will be using the code that you sent me, and she'll be coming to your class uh, to partake in the course. So you'll see her sign up and and gaggle. Thank you for for allowing her to do that, and thank you, Carl, for for oh, sending yeah. that over. So um, looking forward to hearing hearing about that, and I'm looking forward for our team right now to share. Molly, you've had plenty of think time, so you're going to go first. This is how it works when you're a new teacher. You get voluntold. Uh, what is one thing that you want to say about remote teaching that's, and you've done it, it seems like now this whole year so far, one, the favorite thing you've done, and then we'll open it up to everybody. Yeah, so um, it's kind of something that we talked about last week, the few of us that are on here, but one thing that's gone really well is like meeting kids where they're at socially and like outside of school. So I was saying like my kids are obsessed with YouTube and they're obsessed with like Roblox and Minecraft and all these video games. So creating assignments and different things that allow them to talk about those things. Or like I did flip grids where they make YouTube videos explaining their work and things like that. And they really get into that because it's something that they enjoy doing, so. Awesome. I'll go while our video is unmuted. Um, something <laughs> that has worked really, really well for us too is um, the kids have kind of told my TA and I how they enjoy reviewing some things that we've been learning. So we've been trying to incorporate some games like memory ma matching games and the Jeopardy game and things like that. They enjoy playing games and having the chance to um, be a little bit competitive on, on Zoom. So I think that's fun for them. So we've been doing that pretty much every Thursday or Friday, kind of reviewing the week with a game and this week I use book widgets. Uh, we'll see how that goes for this week. I, I made on there. I'm gonna use a Paradeck and Nearpod and look into some of those other apps this week too. But games for reviews has been fun for us. No, that's great. And before you unmute, speaking of mute, the one thing uh, your dad asked me because because Emily's dad and I went to school together. I don't feel old at all by any way. Um, He's, he asked me what he could do for you. And I said, buy them a microphone. Did he buy you a microphone yet? No. <laughs> All right, get on him for that. Because Carl was the one to tell me about the microphones and now I have, I have mine and I, and I love it. So when he asked me, I said, that should be something he gets for you. So get on him for me, would you? Okay, I will. All right, something for the rest of our crew. 
I'll, I'll jump in um, back to what Melissa was saying before that it's a, it's not a snow day, it's a pandemic. And I think that it's really important for us to keep that in mind. And one of the things that um, I've noticed is that when we pick up the phone and we have conversations with families and we dig a little bit deeper because we know that every behavior is a form of communication for our little friends, right? And the really, like Matt, you were saying before, like we're not in the classrooms walking around. There's a lot of cues that we used to pick up on that we need to try to figure out different ways to figure out what's going on. And um, I think that that's really, really important. And one of the things that's worked well is really taking the time and putting into those relationships, picking up the phone, having those conversations and just seeing what's going on at home. Make, makes a lot of sense. Well, I'll go off of what Emily and Molly and Sari said. Um, I know I've said it a lot on this on our panel, but you know, creating an environment that's consistent and routine offers our students safety. And when our students feel safe, they're more willing to take risks. The relationships are, you know, we can develop our relationships further. And then I love the idea of um, creating moments in our classroom. So giving our students, Melissa will say this all the time, give them a reason to come to your, your Zoom. Make your Zoom so exciting that they can't, they don't want to miss it. So games and fun and, and embracing some of those silly moments that happen on our Zooms, embracing the mistakes or the laughters can create this family dynamic that I know Melissa talks about a lot, but it also just creates a rich relationship that we have with our students that um, brings us closer together. And so I think, you know, we've also talked about on this panel too, is you have to go slow to go fast. And I think one of the big mistakes that people make with remote learning is trying to put in too much and having too many expectations. So we really have to go at the kids pace, you know, like use what they like. Um, they don't have to be writing about what we want them to write about to work on writing skills. And then also giving them lots of choice and lots of time. But then I also think consistent and predictable environments when they show up, make them feel safe. And it gives us an opportunity to create really wonderful moments in our classroom. Awesome. Um, I would say create relevant learning experiences for your students. So, you know, it's not really about the teacher, even though we want it to be about us. It's all about the students. It's about how we make them feel. It's about what we know about them. And sometimes I think that we're so caught up in meeting the needs of a curriculum or a standard that we forget that it's all about them. So we're remote learning. Just think about what their interests are, right? So if they love apples, you may want to mention an apple on Monday. Or if they love pumpkins, or for some students who were unable to actually go trick-or-treating, maybe you may want to do something fun where they do something virtual, right? Trick-or-treating virtual. Um, so I would say just make everything relevant to them and not to you personally. My last, I'm Um. I agree, I agree, I agree, I agree with everything that was said. Um, on Tuesdays, we do a Teach Me Tuesday and the kids take over my Zoom and nice. they teach us how to draw something. They teach us how to code on an app that the kids have and they have no idea, they haven't explored it. And I just sit back and learn, try to draw. Carrie knows I can't really draw very well, so I need all the help I can get. So that's a fun, and it's every Tuesday. So it's consistent, it's all about them, it's fun. So, yeah. Awesome, and I didn't wanna, I figured I, I, I had I'd had you, Carl, talk about your your course, but yeah, I wanted you to also have, have time to jump yes. in as well. <laughs> well, first of all, I think being human, I mean, I could tell just from the panelists here, you guys are all like, you're, you ingratiate yourself. You say like, we're gonna mess up, but that's okay, we're gonna learn. And that's part of that learning process. So I'll just say that one of my favorite things to do is have music 
um, whether it be music when they come on. And, and I think when you, when Yuritsa was talking about giving them some choice and ownership, a small thing that a teacher can do is have the students select the song of the week or the song of the day. And, and, and of course, make sure it's appropriate. I mean, you know, some stuff out there isn't. So, but letting them hear when they come on, like, oh, that was my song that I picked for today. I mean, that little bit gets them to lean in. And so I think the last thing I'll say is that when it comes to assessment, I used to say this in physical classrooms. So I would always say the best assessment of a kid is to measure how fast they're running into your class versus how fast they're running to get out of your class. And the same thing happens with Zoom. Like how fast are they wanting to get on there and listen to you and lean in? And how fast are they willing to like turn that switch off? So that's the real assessment. That's what we need to be measuring. That engagement is what kids have in your classroom. So thank you guys for letting me be on the panel. And I love all your responses. Lots of great stuff. This is a great crew, Matt. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for coming. Thank you all. Thank for the people who um, tune in and thanks for those who rewatch. I can't, it sometimes blows me away when I get emails like we watched this for a staff meeting or we did this with our new teacher training and, it, and it's great. So I want to thank you who, who tuned in. Erica, look forward to the, uh, the course. Carl, thank you for coming on. You got to stay for a picture because we tried to do it during it and someone's always not looking and it's usually me that gets yelled at for, for posting it. So um, thank you. I hope you all have a great week. We will be back next Sunday to turn back the clock day. We all made it on the right time today. Uh, no one lives in Arizona, so that didn't impact them anyway. So uh, it's great, <laughs> great to, to wrap up our Sunday and I hope everyone has a great start to your week. And Carl, thanks for, for jumping on. You'll be able to go watch your, watch your Eagles as soon as uh, Sari gets her photo. So have a great weekend, everybody. Great end of the weekend and great start. <laughs> Can somebody actually take the screenshot because um, I'm on a different computer and I can't get the screenshot in. Okay, go vote, everybody. Go vote. Go vote. Go vote. Oh. Awesome. Yep. Have a great weekend. All right. Tell, tell me when you're out. You ready? Yep. All right. All right, we look good. Now can, now can we do a, a Jerry Springer picture where we're all like just going crazy and no, <laughs> looking the wrong way? All right, let me, let me save this one first. <laughs> oh, but definitely. I'll title this one, smiling. All right, Jerry, Jerry Springer post. And I'll, I'll give you a countdown. Three, two, one. <laughs> there <you> go. <laughs> gotta do that <laughs> like, man what were they doing <laughs> yeah i like it i like it <laughs> awesome carl well thanks for jumping on and and thank all of you thank you for carl going. thank you it was great thank to Harry, thanks for, for for driving last nice week's episode was awesome see you carl uh right. and yuritza look forward to tomorrow night go go crush it would you oh thank you thank you thank you do you get to does ann jump on with you at all if you do tell her tell her i said hi so no, but she's, we're going to do something for ISTE together on equity and racism. So look forward to that. Yeah. The first time I met Ann was at Carl's, uh, let me turn this off. Say what you need to say. 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 Say what you need to say Say what you need to say